What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back with another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 47. Yeah, we out here doing our thing. We outside. You know what you got to do. Like, subscribe, hit the notification button, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on YouTube. Follow us everywhere, our clips page, Fanatic Views, Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, and all the other places, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, at Mr. Fourth and Long. Follow me, leave a comment, Apple, Spotify, do all that great stuff, man. Make us a part of your life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People Feel me when I speak. You guys know how I like to get down. This is your first time here. Welcome. Welcome. But if this is your returning time, you know how we get down here on Unfiltered. I like to get my motivation at the beginning because let's be honest, a lot of you aren't going to be here at the end. And that's okay. But before you go, give me a listen. Find three shows. By the time you hear this, 47 episodes will be out. Find three episodes. Spend about 15 minutes apiece on each one of those episodes. If you do not love me by then, find three more episodes. And continue the trend until you fall in love with me till I become a part of your everyday life. All right, man, let's jump right into this. Let's not waste any more time. Here's what I got for you guys today, all right? Here's what I got for you guys today, because we live in a social media world. I think I think this one right here is, is a really, really good and relevant one. All right, here it is. Here's the motivation for today. Do not let the Internet rush you. Do not let the Internet rush you. No one is posting their failures. We live in a day and time. And I've been thinking about this all day long. I'm like, boy. Social media, Facebook, especially Twitter and other places, while they have some great benefits, boy, with this might be one of the worst inventions ever known to mankind. It is a toxic place. And what happens is we have all these people that have these think pieces. They have what you should do in a relationship, how you should build your money, how you should parent your kids, how you should wear your hair, how you should be as a man. That's too zesty. That's too feminine. That's too this. That's too that. Who you should vote. What happened is all these people on the internet are rushing you into things. You should have a house by 30. You should be married by 29 and a half. You should have at least $10,000 in the bank. You should have this. You should have a house. You should have a car. You should... Stop. Stop. Stop allowing people to rush you on the internet. Your time is your time. Whether that's you having those things that you need at 25... Or you're having them at 45. I remember when I when I when I first started wanting to kind of really get into this podcast thing, that I, I doubted myself. I, I'm not gonna lie. There, there was some doubt in me, and I was like, man, you know, I'm getting a little up there in age, and and and, and the clock is ticking on me. But could I find myself in a situation where I may have missed it? I may have missed my window. And then I started thinking, man, look at all the people who later on in life turn their life into millionaires and billionaires. You talk about guys like Bill Gates, talk about Oprah and Steve Harvey, and all these other people that we see on TV that has kind of changed their life. And it was later on in life. There is no rush on your life. 
No one knows the time or day. No one knows what's actually designed for you. You know, we make fun, you know, a lot of people make fun of Floyd Mayweather, and, 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 and rightfully so in some aspects. But one of the things I always talk about Floyd Mayweather is he always tells you when he wins a bet. And he shows the money online, and he says, oh, I, I just won for $1.5 million. Well, if you know, like I know, you fool around with Vegas too long, you're going to take some massive L's. And when you're betting that kind of money, you definitely going to take some massive L's. But we never hear about those. We only hear about the wins because that's what social media is about. So while we are all, and I raise my hand, are kind of addicted to this social media, to the Internet, to what the world is telling us, I'm here to tell you, man, don't let them rush you. Don't let them rush you. What is for you is for you. That's it. You, you can't fast forward into your blessings. You can't jump over time into your blessings. Everything in your life is going to happen for a reason. I'm sitting here today doing this show today because this is my time to do so. Yeah, I had an opportunity to do it before. Wasn't my time. Wasn't my time. It took me getting fired from a job for me to open up my eyes and go, now's my time. Not to let anyone rush you into anything, especially like these folks on the internet, because they're only showing you 60 seconds, minute, minute and a half of what they do on the winning side. They ain't posting their losses. They ain't posting their failures. So you got to always run your race, no matter what. If that race is a marathon or is a sprint, the end goal is just to finish the race. So understand what race that you're running. If it's a sprint, fine. Then it'd be a sprint. Finish. If it's a marathon, fine. 26 and whatever miles it is, finish. That's the ultimate goal. Don't let folks rush you on this internet. Don't let them rush you on this internet. Your time will be exactly on time when it's time for you. All right? Let's get into this thing, man. The Cowboys. Whew. Cowboys take another loss. And it's unfiltered with Jesse Holly, guys. And, and you know, I try my best to stay away from the hypocritical side of things. I try to be honest. I try to be upfront. I try to be accountable. And about a couple of weeks ago, I packed up a certain team. And when I say I packed them up, I packed them up. And that specific team that I packed up was the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, McDermott, and company. I packed those boys up. And Tay, he kept saying, I, Jess, I don't know. You might be a little bit premature on this packing. I'm like, ah, nah. Ah. Pack him up. Put him in a box. Pack him up. He said, Jess, I, I, okay, if you say so. If you say pack him up, okay, I, I'm I just don't feel like they're fully packed up. And then week after week, I'm like, oh, no, I'll pack them up. And Tay's like, hey, Jess, just, I'm telling you. And the more and more that we got to this Cowboy game, and I had packed them up, and I packed the Bills up, I packed Josh Allen up, and then we get to Buffalo week. And this is when I get a chance to dive into my film study and really, really put an eagle eye on the football team. And I'm watching film and I go, 
this ain't a seven and six football team. And a part of me, the pride in me is like, I don't really want to let Tay know that he actually might have been right. I might have packed this team up a little bit too quickly. And the more I watch film, the more I said, damn, this isn't a 7-6 football team. This football team kind of good. And it was the opposite of what people said about Philadelphia. People said, hey, Philadelphia, at that time, you know, 10 and 1. Philadelphia was the was the worst 10 and 1 football team in the league. So people were saying, the worst 10 and 1 football team in the league. Like, what? Worst 10 and 1 football game. And they say, man, that 7 and 6 Buffalo team might be the best 7 and 6 Buffalo football. Buffalo might be the best 7 and 6 football team in the league. And you just kind of watch as the trends begin to turn. And that same uh, 10 and 1 Philadelphia Eagles team that was top of the league and Jalen Hurts was in the MVP conversation, things begin to shift. The tide begin to turn. And Philadelphia begin to lessen. And boy, that, that, that bad football team that we saw in Buffalo all of a sudden started to become good. And then we got the Cowboy Week. And I'm like, well, the Cowboys are going to win this game. Yeah, I know what they. The Cowboys are going to win this game. And the Cowboys go up to Buffalo and Orchard Park and Bill's Mafia and get their bleep handed to them. And it wasn't even close. So being that I am an honest man, being that I'm a, I'm a man of the people, uh, being that I'm a man of accountability, While I ceremoniously on this show packed up the Buffalo Bills. I packed them. I was done with them. I was done with the Buffalo Bills. Packed them up. They're not packed up, man. I got to be honest. I, Jesse Holly, I got to unpack the Buffalo Bills. I got I to gotta look at the box and I go... You didn't make the right move, Jess. And I watched the Buffalo Bills single-handedly spank on the Dallas Cowboys. James Cook, 179 yards rushing. Another 40-something yards receiving. Over 200 yards of total offense. Career highs for James Cook. Josh Allen, seven completions in a game. Unheard of. You would think, if I told you that Josh Allen had seven completions in a game, you'd you'd have told me, wow, Buffalo must have got cooked. He must have had four interceptions. No. Didn't need him to pass. 266 Total yards of rushing on the ground for the Buffalo Bills. Dog walked the Dallas Cowboys. Manhandled the Dallas Cowboys. You know how we do on this show. Sent the Cowboys outside to get their own switch. 
And you better not come back in here with a skinny one. So because of that, and they found themselves back in the playoff race. They're finding their mojo. They made the switch. They fired Ken Dorsey, elevated Joe Brady, and he said, I'm giving the ball to number four, James Cook. And I'm going to let him do what he does. See, I've been sitting back here watching old, old Ken Dorsey call the thing, and I've been saying to myself, boy, we should get the ball to James Cook more. If I was calling the show, he would get the ball to James Cook. And lo and behold, Joe Brady got the job, and he went right to work. And he said, yeah, I know we got Josh Allen. And I know we got Stephon Diggs. And we got Dalton Kincaid. And we got Knox. And we got Gabe. And we got uh, 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 Shakir. But we got this other dude in the backfield that's pretty versatile. He, he, he Dalvin, little brother. And it has been an asserted effort by the Buffalo Bills to get James Cook the ball. So, <sighs> it hurts me to do this. It crushes me to do this. I'm unpacking the Buffalo Bills. I'm unpacking the Buffalo Bills. I had them in a box. I put the tape on the box. And I should have listened to the little devil on my shoulder when Tay kept saying, I don't know, Jess. I don't think you should back up Buffalo. They're actually a good football team. And I kept saying, man, shoot, shoot, get out of here. I don't want to, man, get out of there, pack them jokers up. And so I got to be, I got to be honest with you. Buffalo's a good football team. They exposed the Cowboys in areas that we kind of always had questions about. But now those questions has arise again. For years and years, we've said to this Cowboys team, eh, can't stop the run. This dates back to when the Cowboys played the Rams in the playoffs and they took the fat back off the couch and he rushed for over 200 yards in that game. And it has been an ongoing theme for the Dallas Cowboys that when you play good football teams who can run the football, they struggle. And it seems as if they, oh, well, we tried to address it. We brought, we brought in Big Hankins. And we, we, we brought in, we used a first-round pick, Elmazi Smith, to kind of secure it. And it's never really been a part of the identity of the Cowboys to be actual run stoppers. That is a commitment that you must make up front. I blamed Aaron Donald last week. I said Aaron Donald has corrupted nose tackles. Aaron Donald, who was an undersized nose tackle out of Pittsburgh, came into the league. Aaron Donald for long has been my NFL man crush Monday, my MCM. Can admit it. Shout out to his wife, Erica. Don't Erica, she's a little girl. Her daddy was my wide receiver coach, Ray Sherman. But Aaron Donald comes into this league as an undersized nose tackle and takes the world by storm. Now all of a sudden, nose tackles are getting sacks. And they're getting after the quarterback. And Aaron Donald wins defensive player of the year award how many times? Two? 
Three times? Ten-plus sacks multiple years? Arguably made himself one of the best defensive linemen in NFL history. So now all the fat boys. Three. Three. And, oh. and NFL defensive rookie here. So he's been bowling. So now all the fat dudes have decided we don't run it. We don't really want to have the duties of being fat anymore. See, back in the day, I played with Vince Woolfolk for, for a minute in, 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 in New England. And Vince Woolfolk understood the assignment. I'm 350. I'm 340. I'm three bill plus. My job is to be fat. Eat up blocks. Clog up the middle. Keep my linebackers clean. Let Vrabel, let Brewski, let Izzo, let Mayo, let those guys just roam free and make the tackle. If I get to the quarterback every now and again, it's a cherry on top. But my job is just to be fat. And the days of the big Vince, Vince Woolforks are dead. So now defensive end, defensive tackles and, and, and def, nose tackles, they, they want to get jiggy with it. They want to get to the quarterback. Because they said if we get sacks, we get paid. So nobody has the commitment to being a bona fide run stopper. Being a run stopper takes a little bit of attitude, takes a little bit of willingness to say, I don't care about my stats as long as they don't get their stats and rushing the football. And we talk a lot of times about complementary football. We talk about all offense and defense, they play complementary football. But not too often we talk about how teams build their teams in a complementary way. Well, Jess, what are you talking about? Well, for a long time, the Dallas Cowboys, they built their team, especially under Dan Quinn, in a certain way. Go and look at the stats. This Cowboys defense is built for pass rush and pass pressure and turnovers on the back end. They've led the league or have been in the top two or three in the league in sacks and pressures, and they've bona fide led the league in turnovers the last two years. Nowhere in that did you say, or you hear me say, they were a run stopper. Because contrary to them being pass rushers, pressures, and turnovers, they're one of the teams that give up the most rushing yards. So even in the way that they're designed and built, see, they're built because they're saying, well, we're built in a way because the compliment to us is, our offense is going to get out and score points. And when our offense gets out and scores points and they get 10-point leads and 13-point leads and 14-point leads and 18-point leads at halftime, the complimentary part is now the team that we're playing on defense, their opposing offense becomes one-handed. They have to pass the ball now more often than they want to. We get a pass to pin our ears back. Get after the quarterback for sacks, for pressures, and then on the back end, they can jump routes. Well, the Buffalo Bills had, a, had understood the assignment. They said, oh, you, you, you don't have the one guy that you actually brought in to kind of help stop the run who did okay in it in Jonathan Hankins. You don't have him? Oh, we're going to test your gangster then. We're going to test your gangster. And, 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 and don't confuse with having – some physical guys 
as a team being physical. The Cowboys aren't a physical football team. They may have a guy or two who plays physically, but their overall makeup and mindset, they don't want that physical smoke. They don't. And I don't care who says it. They may have some guys who are physical, but their overall arching mindset, what their genetic, well, not genetic makeup, but what their team makeup is on that side of the ball is not physicality. It ain't. It ain't. It is not. It's more of a finesse, pass rushing, and turnovers. Now those work when your offense does their part. Here's a quick stat for you. Talk about the offense doing their part, and I'll get back to the defense. This stat, and I'm going to give credit to who it's from, prior to the game starting in Buffalo on Sunday, this stat came from Bobby Bell. Bobby went and did the research, and he went and he looked at all of Dak Prescott's game that he played in the rain in his career. I don't know how Bobby found that, but Bobby's like a rain man. He just finds weird stats. Interesting stat. And this is the complimentary part that I'm talking about. Dak Prescott versus the rain. And his career in rain games, Dak Prescott is 46 of 79. That's a 58.2 percentage. He's thrown for 498 yards. That's 6.3 yards per pass. He has zero touchdowns, one interception, a 71.6 passing passer rating in the rain. And that continued in this game against Buffalo. So while he didn't bring his A game, because he never does, and according to the stats that Bobby Belt gave us, there was no opportunity for there to be complimentary football. What the, what the Cowboys do well defensively with rushing the passer, getting pressure, and creating turnovers in the back end, they weren't able to do because they never had the lead. And Buffalo understood the assignment because they said, well, if we're getting anything we want on the ground, inside, outside, left side, right side, why would we pass the ball? <laughs> what will we ever give you the opportunity to actually to rush the quarterback? For Josh Allen to make a mistake. For Josh Allen to throw an interception. No, we're gonna, I'm just going to keep turning around and hand the ball to James Cook to the tune of 7.7 yards per carry. 4.2 yards per carry before anyone touched him. That means that he was up on the second level before anybody in the Cowboys uniform actually made contact and I told you guys for weeks upon weeks upon weeks I think it's admirable and honorable and all around good that Marquise Bell has taken on the the, the job that Dan Quinn asked him to take on when Overshone went out and they had some other things that didn't work out for them. Dan Quinn goes to Marquise Bell and he says, son, I need you to play linebacker. And this whole hybrid thing that they've been doing with, with, with Marquise Bell and with J. Ron Curse and Donovan Wilson and just having this four or five-headed monster and they're using this hybrid linebacker, I said, guys, 
If you're listening to OJ Holly, I know Marquis, and this is not a, this is not an indictment on Marquise Bell. He's only being asked, he's only doing what he's been asked to do. As someone who's trying to find his way as a young player in this league, when a coach comes and asks you to do something and you don't have enough contract money or enough status in the league to go, nah, I'm good on that. This is your way to be um, a good teammate. This is your way to kind of have a little bit of good graces with that coach to keep a job. Coach said he didn't play linebacker. He said, I'm not a linebacker, but okay. And he had some good moments in the way the scheme that Dan Quinn wanted to scheme it up. But I kept telling people, guys, when, when, when teams, especially when you get the good teams, especially when you get to the playoffs, teams are going to start saying, number 14, that joker's 200 pounds. <laughs> He's 200 pounds. We're going to just keep letting these 300-pound dudes tee off on him. And we're going to see how much he's able to withstand. Buffalo had an assignment. They understood it. And they said, we're moving, we moving these jokers. And it's, again, this is not an attack of Marquise Bell. He is doing what was asked of him. But a 200, 200 205-pound, 210-pound linebacker in the National Football League, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, this league is too skilled, too diverse, uh, 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 too, 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 just too game plan ready where coach is going to say, there's no way in hell I'm going to let you line up a 200-pound linebacker and we not attack him. As well as your other guys. As well as running at your guy, Michael Parsons, who wants to be a pass rusher and not a run stopper. And they did it over and over and over and over again. And the Cowboys didn't have an answer. And while we call Mike McCarthy to the carpet a lot of times for sometimes his mismanagement, which should have threw the flag on that one, uh, and, and challenge a play call, you got to bring Dan Quinn to the table too and say, DQ, we love you. Boy, have you been good for this franchise. Boy, have you found some gems in the draft. Boy, have you been able to put some plans together. But boy, when you face a team that has an integral scheme, that gives you a little bit of challenge, you nut up, my boy. You start glitching. You went through that entire game, Dan Quinn, and you watched them hand the ball. To, you watched them hand the ball to James Cook over and over and over again, and you did nothing to change. You kept an equal or light box. When I say equal or, 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 or an even box, you kept enough dudes in the block uh, in the box to match the dudes that they were blocking. So you were either six for six or seven for seven, and they just man blocked you and blocked you and blocked you, and you did nothing to change. Even when the game was out of sorts and out of hand for you, that's when you both say, you know what, guys, we lost this game, but damn it, they're not going to just keep running this ball on me. I'm bringing an eighth guy to the box. I'm run blitzing. I'm going to do something where they can't just turn the ball and hand the ball to James Cook and he go get seven yards a pop. Four yards before anyone touches him. Dan Quinn, you got to be better. Because when you get into the playoffs and that thing is isolated, that, that, that's when to go home. Teams now have nothing else to do but super, super duper prepare for you. And they're going to be looking for the opportunities. And more often than not, they're going to go back to these films and go, they can't stop the run. Buffalo ain't no big physical running team. That ain't their MO. 
they made their MO. They understood the assignment. And there was nothing that the Cowboys could do. Gotta be better. Gotta have better energy, had to have a game plan. The Cowboys went to Buffalo and thought just showing up was going to be enough. Nothing worked for them, offensively or defensively. And I think we've seen it a little bit too much against the good football teams. Like, it's okay to lose a game every now and again, but the way that it's happened against the Niners, kind of been a, you know, it was a dog walking, and now Buffalo is a dog walking. That's a little bit concerning to me. So while I packed Buffalo up a couple weeks ago, I got to give respect where respect is due and, unplug, and unpack Buffalo. It's a good football team. And for Dak, coming into that game, you were riding high, my boy. Leading the, leading the league in my eyes in MVP votes. This was an opportunity for you to go on the road, matched up against another good quarterback in a hostile environment on a team that's rising and go show the world again that I'm like this, that I'm him, and you didn't. You pissed down your leg, actually. I mean, they gave up some prevent yards at the end of the game, but you didn't throw for a touchdown. Goes back to that stat I read about Bobby Bell. Bobby Bell, you threw another interception. You actually threw four. They dropped three of them. Like, one dude got hit in the chest. I hit you, I hit you in the chest. I'll wet you. C.D. Lamb helped knock one down. Brandon Cook helped knock another one down, and they finally got one. But these are the games. We, you know, we, we talk about the national media having their narrative. At times, Dak, you don't kind of help. You don't help the situation. You go into a game like this and you, and you basically piss down your leg. An embarrassing type situation when you think about it. When you look at the numbers... From that particular game, I'm going to pull them up. Okay. You got them? What's the numbers? Uh, for Dak? For Dak. 21 of 34. In that game? Yeah. Okay. 134 yards. 134 yards. One pick. One pick. No touchdowns. No touchdowns. Three sacks. Three sacks. Uh, rushing four attempts for 27. Yeah. 6.8 per carry. Not good enough. Not good enough. When the moments are at their brightest, you got to show up big, and you didn't. And for that, I think you take. I think your I think your MVP candidacy. Well, I don't think Vegas says it did take a hit. You were leading last week, before that game happened. Now you're not. Now it's Christian McCaffrey, it's Brock Purdy. I mean, I think you're still in the mix, but boy. You had a major opportunity to really make some hay on that MVP. And I know you're going to say, I, I don't care about the MVP. I don't, I don't, I. Yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, I'm not saying that you don't want a championship, but stop. Don't tell me you don't care about the MVP. For sure, you would want to win the MVP. 
If you and I were talking at your crib or at the bar or at the barbershop, you want the MVP. So don't give me the politically correct answer when you stand in front of folks. So, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one for individual awards. My, 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 my goal is for the big award. I get it. I get it. But, boy, you don't have an opportunity every single year to win the MVP. Nobody does. I don't care who you are. When you have an opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. And you had a chance to really make some hay and kind of separate yourself, and you didn't. But you lived to see another day. And now you have to get yourself ready to go back on the road to South Beach, to Mike McDaniels, and that track meet. Defense got to show up. Offense got to show up. Or Miami, we've already seen Miami hang 70 on a team this year. They'll score points on you and embarrass you. All right, I'm taking this hat off now because I'll unpack the bills. But, all right, we move on. You want the current Vegas odds? Yeah, give me the current Vegas odds, MVP odds. Uh, so, Purdy is now a favorite, minus 190. Purdy's a favorite. So, he's not like, it's not a plus. It's not a plus situation, right. minus situation. Dak went from plus 160 to plus 450. So, big, big, big jump. Back, but he is two. Um, Lamar's three, plus 500. Big game next week, Lamar Jackson, yeah, and the and the Ravens. Who you you slightly packed up the Ravens? Just a playoff thing. It's a playoff thing. See, there you it's go. A playoff thing. There you go. Hedging his bet. Okay. Hedging his bet right there. Hedging his bet. Jalen Hurts plus a thousand. That was before the Monday night game, so he's yeah, four. He's out of that. And then McCaffrey entry into the top five plus twelve hundred. Okay. Big game, big Christmas Day game. For Lamar Jackson, they take on the monsters, the unbeatables, the Niners. If Lamar Jackson can figure out a way to beat the Niners, I yeah. think he I think he jumps. I think he jumps. But <laughs> nobody's beating that team, bro. Brock Purdy gonna walk out of here with an MVP. Mr. Irrelevant's gonna get an MVP. That team is just good. That team's just good. All right, man. Let's go around the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles. Damn. Uh, this is a, uh, a lot of accountability for me in this show, guys. The Philadelphia Eagles lose to the Seattle Seahawks. They haven't beaten the Seahawks in 15 years. They're 0-8 against the Seattle Seahawks. Had an opportunity to win the game, and boy, James Bradbury, are you boo-boo juice. I mean, Gooch juice right in the crevices, right underneath the booty hole on a hot summer day of Vince Woolfork's cheeks. James Bradbury, you so bad. Oh, you toast. Game on the line. All you got to do is stop them. They got to drive the ball like 90 yards. James Bradbury, you give up two of the biggest plays. In a game. Philadelphia has now lost three in a row. This is why the game in Buffalo was so big. But now we come to a situation where the loss to Seattle and the Cowboys lost to Arizona kind of washes them out. There's still hope for the Cowboys. Now the Cowboys, you can't lose to Miami. And you need for Philadelphia to lose one of these next three games. They go... They go. They got. They got Tommy DeVito, Cutler, Cutler boy. 
They got Colin Murray, Call of Duty boy, and then they got Tommy DeVito again. And then we get to the playoffs. Cowboys have Miami. They got the MCDCs at home. And then the Washington Commanders. Two out of three, two really tough games back to back. If nobody's going to challenge the Cowboys to make sure that they can, they, can, they can control that run, Miami will do it. Oh, but the Motor City Dan Campbells, Jamar Gibbs and company, Jameer Gibbs and company, shoo. Dan Campbell going to get real physical with you. But the Eagles lose to Seattle three in a row. They might, be, they, they might be collapsing right in front of our eyes. This team was a Super Bowl uh, play, uh, contender, played in the Super Bowl last year. Their goals were getting back to it. Boy, and ever since the Niners put that whooping on them, they've just been bad. Niners do it to you. The Niners whoop you so bad, you have residual effects from that whooping. Big loss on the road. Drew Locke, the backup quarterback. Geno Smith, was they said was healthy. Drew didn't know until the game time whether he was going to play or not. They gave Drew the nod. He came up big, big drive at the end. This, this, this Eagles secondary is horrible. They didn't have big play slate. He got a little bit of a knee procedure uh, early in the week. They said he'll be back. But, boy, did they attack these guys in the secondary in that, that last drive. And the target was on James Bradbury's back. You got something? No? Two huge pays they gave up. One to DK Metcalf and another one. I just, I didn't understand it. It, 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 it. And I wasn't rooting for the Eagles. But I just hate dumb football plays. I, I just do. It's third and ten. They need a touchdown. You're up four. They need a touchdown. Don't have any timeouts. Clock is against them. And for whatever reason, James Bradbury lines up and he let Jackson Smith and Jigaba run a go route. And you get beat on a go route. The Eagles made a defensive coordinator change in the week. They said no to uh, Sean Desai. And Nick Sirianni, he gave Matt. Y'all better stop fooling with these New England Patriot wannabes. I'm telling you, like, they have created this fraudulent thought process about what their coaches did that come from New England. Matt Patricia has not been good. But, nonetheless, you made him the D.C. midweek. And for whatever reason, he called man-to-man coverage when you know that they only can win the game if they score a touchdown. And you know what you have in James Bradbury and you still call. Whatever. Philadelphia loses. They lose. And there were some people, and I don't know if they're going to watch this or not, but there were some folks that was at the game, uh, at my pre- and post-game show at Walk-Ons in Arlington where I'm at every single game. Eagles fans. And boy, were they talking cash money stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, what's, we, we'll take care of business tomorrow. And you went to Seattle and got clipped. Oh, I wish I was there tonight. I wish I had telepathic abilities because I would be at Walk-Ons and I would be talking cash money stuff to y'all. But the Philadelphia Eagles lose. Things are getting interesting now. Things are getting interesting. If the Cowboys can find a way, if the Eagles continue their collapse and the Cowboys can find a way to win, not, to win this thing out and they win the division, life looks a little bit better for them. Because right now, 
if things just stay the same, the Cowboys have the fifth seed, and it looks the exact same way it did last year. They get on the plane. They go to Tampa. Large percent chance that they're going to win that game in Tampa. They're going to get on the plane. They're going to come back to Dallas. They're going to get on the plane, and they're going to head to Santa Clara, and they're going to have to face the Niners. And at that point in time, you just start telling folks, hey, uh, season over. Nobody's beat the Niners, y'all. I'm just telling y'all, I'm not saying that it can't be done, and I know that I'll have egg on my face if it happens, but I'm telling you, man, uh, I'm telling you, if, if, if healthy, I, I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. A lot of football left. A lot of football left. But, boy, uh, a win yesterday for the Cowboys would have done them some, some, some wonder. Again, uh, the Eagles lose three in a row. They might be broken. They might be broken. Speaking of broken or fired, the Chargers finally said, you know what? Enough's enough. We packing somebody up. And damn it, the box ain't coming open. After the Chargers went and played against the Ravers, Raven, excuse me, the Raiders, and got boat raced. 63 to 21. Whew. And that 21 was very generous. Because it was ugly. Ugly. The Chargers finally decided to go, you know what? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done. We are done. We're firing the GM and we're firing Brandon Staley. You guys, you guys pack it up. You guys pack it up. Uh, don't worry about getting anything out your office. We'll mail it to you. Just, just, just leave. Just, just, just leave. And reports were even that they offered Kellen Moore the interim head coaching job. But Kellen Moore said, "No, thank you. I'll stay right here as the OC. I don't want y'all to put no smut on my name. Me trying to run this franchise the way it is right now. Of course." Uh, Justin Herbert is out with the broken finger. But there will be a new sheriff in town leading up the charge for the Chargers. I don't know if this is a good job or not. I, I, I think it's a good job. But now you, 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 you got your $50 million over the cap right now. You do have a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. Boy, you owe a lot of players a lot of money who are aging. I don't necessarily believe the cap is real. I know that you can always hit switches and push money down the line and kind of create these voided years. It's going, it's going, it's going to take somebody to come in there who has a real type of mastermind of how to work the cap. But you have guys that you owe money to like Khalil Mack, Bosa, Derwin, I think Keenan Allen. But those, those are names. If you can come in and figure that thing out, you'll have a good uh, a good roster. And you can add some more pieces to that. But I'm, I'm sure that they're probably, maybe, possibly going to want an offensive-minded coach. Unless they say, hey, we'll hire a guy like Dan Quinn. If you tell me, Dan Quinn, the person that you're bringing in for your OC is one of the, the bright young minds. That's going to be interesting, or you look at guys like Ben Johnson, my former teammate, go Heels, in Detroit, 
Maybe you make him the head coach. I don't know if he's ready to be the head coach, though. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tall task for a young guy to come in and be a head coach. But that's the wave of the league, right? These young, innovative, hotshot, offensive genius minds are coming in. The Kyle Shanahan, the Mike McDaniels, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the McVeighs of the world, they're coming in and they're, 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 they're innovative and they're young and they're exciting. So maybe, but we'll see. Heading over to the NBA, talked about it last week. The Lakers hung the banner. Ill. It's just ill. It's just ill to me. You are the Los Angeles Lakers. You are probably the most storied franchise in NBA history. You and the Celtics. Your showtime. I get winning is tough in any professional, in any sport, but more so professionally. I don't know if you want, I'm not hanging the in-season tournament banner from the Raptors. I, they, they said they, they, it's hung opposite of the, of, the, of the championship banner that they have in L.A. But I just feel like, hey, man, make, make it a mug. Make it a step and repeat. Make it, make it, make it elevator wallpaper. Wrap it around the practice facility padding, you know, on the high school wall, gym walls. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just thought that maybe that's not, maybe that's not what you want to 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 really have hanging up there. And, and who am I? I don't I don't know the franchise. Uh, but Darvin Hansen, said, I think it's great for the organization. He said this before the Lakers hosted the Knicks. Obviously, the tournament is something that is going to be around and is going to get bigger and better. I think it's really, really cool that we're doing that, especially being the first to win the inaugural in-season tournament. I don't know, man. I don't know. But it's not my stadium. It's not my team. So Genie Bus and company, y'all do what y'all do over in the Lakers. Talking about getting hung out to dry. Charlotte's Hornets, one of their stars, Miles Bridges was denied access in to Canada. Canada don't play. They'll meet you at the border, shut it down. You ain't coming here doing no concerts if you got some legal trouble. You ain't coming here playing no NBA. Y'all ain't doing it. Canada don't Canada don't like Canada be looking at the USA and be like, yo, yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. nah. We don't play by y'all rules. And if you are familiar with Miles Bridges' situation, Miles Bridges pleaded uh, pleaded no contest to a felony charge of injuring a child's parent. He was denied access into the country on Sunday. The Hornets ruled him out an hour before tip-off, saying he was not with the team. Hornets head coach Steve Clifford would not comment on the reason for Bridges' absence when he spoke to reporters in pregame. He said, the only thing I'm going to say is neither Miles nor rookie center uh, Nathan Masai from Ghana will be with us tonight. So that's all I'm going to say. Bridges is currently serving a three years. He's serving three years of probation after pleading no contest in exchange for no jail time in June 2022 for a domestic violence case involving the mother of his two children, 
who accused Bridges of assaulting her in front of the children. He must adhere to a 10-year criminal protection order for the woman, weekly narcotics and marijuana testing, and restitution. That's according to the, Lo the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. So Canada said, nah. And of course, they lost um, to the rafters. But you get in some trouble, man. Canada ain't playing with y'all. Canada, like, I ain't, I ain't let nobody in. I know that there was before that where guys were trying to get to Canada to perform at the OVO Fest with Drake. Canada was like, not letting those criminals come into our, our, our country. Not happening. Canada don't play at that border, bro. Canada do not play at that border. I remember my time in British Columbia, Canada. Hey, mate, I was up in Canada too. I'm international. International Jess. I ain't had no problem getting out of the state. They kicked me out, though. I ain't been, I ain't been back to BC since then. But we'll see. We'll see going forward how many more games they may have to play in Canada, but Miles Bridges probably won't be there. Not until they figure this thing out with Canada. All right, moving to college football. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about NIL. We talked about the price of doing business in college football today. And one of the guys that we referenced was Nebraska head coach Matt Rule. And Matt Rule, he made a comment, and I don't know if he was talking just to people in general, his boosters, but Matt Rule said, hey, Going price for a quarterback right now about $1.5 million, million, $2 million. That's the going price for a quarterback in the portal right now. Well, money talks in college sports. Matt Rule, head coach of the Nebraska Cornhunter, just got a big-time flip. I'm talking about a big-time flip. Dylan Raiola who was committed to Georgia in the class of 2024, the number eight recruit in the class of 2024 quarterback. You may remember the name, Rayola. His dad was an offensive lineman in the National Football League for many years. His dad also played O-line at Nebraska. His uncle also, and currently an offensive line coach at Nebraska. Well, it was all but signed that Dylan Raiola was headed to Georgia, going to be a dog. Money talks. The numbers aren't out yet, but make no mistake about it, Matt Rule didn't get in front of the national media and say, well, they're going to rate for a quarterback in the portal. Or, in high school, <laughs> it's one and a half to $2 million. There has been a major flip in college football. And Matt Rule understands and knows if I am going to compete on the national level, I need a quarterback. And now he has one of the best quarterbacks in the 2024 recruiting class in Dylan Raiola. And a statement from Dylan says, I firmly believe that Nebraska is in my blood. He told ESPN, it's a great opportunity to be a part of something bigger than myself. Nebraska is a special place. And the place that's bigger than himself, probably Wells Fargo or Chase or BBVA or whatever, whatever bank you want to use 
that's going to be able to wire the money into his account. Money is talking so loud in college football, right? In college in general. You're seeing all these guys in the portal now. I mean, like five stars, guys who are starting at major universities, SEC schools, ACC schools, Big Ten, Big 12 schools, formerly the Pac-12. And guys are bouncing all around because they're chasing that cheddar. I think later on this week, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of unpack with you who I thought. I thought Chip Kelly had a resounding great thing that he said, kind of how to kind of control this thing. I thought it was phenomenal. Thought it was phenomenal. He said, I was thinking about it, but I thought it was phenomenal. We'll unpack that uh, a little bit later on this week. But boy, money talks in college football. All right, man, I'm going to get out of here uh, with this. It, it, it's kind of it's on a sad note that I want to send my thoughts and my prayers to the family of Eric Montrose, who we lost to cancer. Eric, as a Tar Heel, played basketball for the University of North Carolina. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in, in March of this year, uh, and we lost him last night. It's a major blow for the Tar Heel family. Um, after Eric's playing days, he was around the program doing media. So you saw a lot of, I, I was when I was at Carolina playing basketball, you saw Eric was there. He was a gentle giant. He was a dude that was always willing to talk to you, help you. Many a times you would see him at practice and he was kind of, you know, showing guys some moves. Always had a smile on his face. The biggest guy in the room, literally. But, boy, did he have a gentle touch. Boy, was he just a special person. Huge loss for the Carolina family. My heart goes out to his family, to his children, to his wife. During this difficult time, uh, we got word that, you know, his last days were spent around family. And it's tough with Christmas right around the corner. But he said he, he was in good spirits. He spent time with his family. And Eric will be... Uh, he will always be remembered for just his, his gigantic size and the way that he played the game of basketball. But boy, was he a good man. And that's something to be said. Kind man. Uh, he, would, he would throw his, uh, he, he would have these camps that he would run. Would make sure that we were a part of his camps. To give back. And, uh, Big guy's going to be missed. So rest in peace to Eric Montrose. And again, my thoughts and my prayers are with his family and his children, with the Carolina family. And um, hug your loved ones, man. He was diagnosed and nine months later he was gone. Hug your loved ones. Care for your loved ones. Text them. Call them. Go see them. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not. We're not. And most of you listening to this are probably my age or older. And now we're coming to a place where those who we looked up to are older. I'll be 40 years old in two weeks. 
The people who I looked up to are in their 60s and their 70s. They're, they're, they're closer to the grave than they are to their youth. And even the ones that are closer to my age, we just don't know what tomorrow brings. So again, uh, my thoughts and prayers to the Montrose family, to the Carolina Brotherhood, it's not four years, it's forever. And, uh, and Big E will be missed. All right, man, that's my show right there. I thank you guys so much for always being a part of this, rocking out with me, for, for giving me your time, your energy, your, your ears, for making me a part of your life. I cannot thank you enough. Continue to share, to like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Mr. Fulton Long on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Fanatics Views, like the page. Clips page, unfiltered with Jesse Holly. Make it a part of your everyday living. And remember, don't let the internet rush you. Do not let the internet rush you. No one is posting their failures. Your time is your time. It will always be your time. And your time. Remember that never let anyone tell you that their lives are better than yours because it is your life. I'm out of here. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.